1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I kind of want to forget it and let it go. All of these tattoos are uh, a direct response to the feelings I felt when I was in at that time. Yeah, That moment with her is, 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 is kind of right there. I'd had enough and I called Stu up and said, look, I need to get out. Now. I don't know a football fan who hates another club. As much as you, right. hey,
0: Arsenal. Huh? Yeah, a bit fruitier. Oh, tisky. I've just thought. I have one, and I feel it. So now I'm it, right. Yeah,
1: it's like just... um, you'll see a Polish man. This is not. Is it? I don't, I don't know. know. The fact is, I've seen multiple Polishmen at ten a.m. on a Sunday morning, bowling oh. around with a tisky, and if it's all right for them, it's all right for me.
0: Yeah, it's a good way to live your life.
1: Uh, right, welcome back to
0: the process. This is a different one because it's flames, and I'm looking forward to this
1: one. I don't know why you want to talk to me. I know. You kn- I thought you might say that. I don't so know so why. Open oh you've got you got one ready. Cheers. Cheers. I I don't I don't know why because I've seen the others and the others that like Smith has an incredible story. Pajak does as well at Redman TV. He's done amazing things with his career and the shit that he's gone through as well. And obviously the last one, the guy about suicide and stuff. So the only reason I can think that you'd want to do this for me, and I'm really happy to because mm-hmm. I really love the process. I think what you've come up with is really good. It is, mate. But uh, it's because of our relationship. Yeah, well, you know, uh, it's interesting. Uh, three years we've worked together,
0: and um, I would have thought by now you'd know that the start of the video is crucial, where you're getting really excited about oh, right. what you can offer. <laughs> <Sorry, about? yeah. laughs> Uh, but actually, this kind of showcases what what me and you are about actually, because and I th- thought this was like the right kind of set as well, just podcast, because, because. Cause this is where we do one for the weekend, which has kind of become our favourite thing of the week. Um, but I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, ab- I was thinking about you in bed last night, and I was thinking <laughs> we have shared a bed, we have shared a bed, yeah, hmm. a few times. Um, um, no, I w- I wanted to talk about like the last three years that we've had because Flav is certainly my best mate in this bizarre YouTube, yeah. World that I st- I personally stepped into on I think it was like November the fifteenth and I came into an office met a few different people obviously and one of which was was you and I just presume that you'd been there a while you'd been there five days five days yeah and uh, Flav is is stepping out and is still always going to be a part of Ball Street and going to be a part of our videos and stuff but yeah. in terms of that day to day working in an office together yeah um you're moving on yeah for sure. um. Why are you moving on?
1: Uh, I, just feel, I just feel like it's the, the right time. Um, I can, and I'm able to do it financially, although it's a a risk that there's, a, I'm, I'm gambling that I can bring in enough money to support myself and my family. Um, and there is a family, you know, there's my missus and the two kids. Got a new dog. Um, mostly it's it's because uh, there's an opportunity there. Um, yeah. I set up a podcast called The Fighting Cock eight years ago, seven years, seven and a half years ago. I've only been able to, through my experiences at bull Street, learn enough in terms of business and brand deals and, and position yourself correctly and how to handle yourself professionally. Uh, I've learned enough to, to to take those learnings and apply it to my own product. Um, and I've always had faith in that product mm. and the faith in the podcast and I understand it completely. Yeah. I can't tell you how... Over the last three years, frustrating it's been for me having to se- second guess myself constantly because there's pre- additional pressures you, involved.
0: You've always said, you've always kind of said that unlike most people in this YouTube football space, we've been so lucky to have a clear, calm, full-time job. Yeah, there's so many examples of people who are kind of out there hustling. Stephen House is a great example. Uh, Statman Dave guys that have kind of they got into it and and for those guys it was TFR and then TFRs you know evolved and changed and they got kind of pushed out into that world where you you that sort of freelance world ultimately yeah. or or kind of having your own company and doing your own thing and basing it off the the influence and the I don't know that word's a bit minging, but the the audience that you've created yourself. But for you, it's yeah, you haven't had to do that, and now you're now you're about to do it. It's a calculated, brave decision for you. Yeah,
1: I mean it, it is calculated, and uh, it's, it's brave in that it's scary for me because I I do need to you have to make money, you have to buy cri- kids' Christmas presents. You've got to make sure that they're happy as possible, and and unfortunately, the the world we live in. Or fortunately, depends how you look at it. Because I could live in another world where it's not money; it's about surviving. So the key thing about it was it was about my happiness and about my well-being. And um, I don't want to be beholden to anybody. And I kind of felt like I had an opportunity with the Fighting Cock to do that. We have a small audience. In in, com- in comparing it to, Ball Street TFR, other podcasts like the Football Ramble, it's small, but the audience is invested. They care, yeah. They care because of, of how of what what the Fighting Cock. Uh, was set up to do and how we positioned ourselves and mm. it, uh, the irony of that is it was never about making money and I think that's how we got these people involved. Yeah, but I think they uh, perhaps I hope understand that in order to move on to the next chapter we've got to rely on them. Yeah, going <laughs> to, <laughs> it's to gonna be a few pennies, pennies needed. Yeah, a few pennies. It's support, ne- isn't
0: it? Do you more than anyone I know in this space like love podcasting. I think you've. Like you're saying earlier there there's always been an element where you're in this world where it's you know it's that video production element of it more so than just those great conversations you've had that f- feeling of fear and doubt yeah. and whereas with your podcast you don't have that and so no. i think people
1: people I mean, would like to I've hear had about that experiences kind of, stuff. of that but yeah it's because of those experiences through the podcast where i've learned unhealthy habits i think about how uh, i produce work how i work how, how i Portray myself on camera or, or otherwise. Right. Oh, what does that mean? I feel uncomfortable. I, I feel uncomfortable now. I don't, I'm not enjoying, should we? I don't enjoy this. Uh, but but I understand that it's I'm, how it works. Yeah. Well, well, it's how a lot of people think
0: it works. Yeah. So you fight against that as well. Like, for one, for the weekend, the, the podcast that I'm guessing a lot of people that know about my channel will know about that podcast, which we do on Ball Street, which you go check out. Um,
1: but even that, y- you didn't like. You probably still don't like the fact that we film it. So there's a massive thing in, in, in YouTube about calling things podcasts. What <laughs> podcast means now to people is a, just a long chat uh, on YouTube. They're completely different formats. They work in their own ways. And what makes a great documentary on TV doesn't make a great talk- documentary. It's purely audio content. Yeah. I think it's a, an obsession and, and an, an infatuation with ego that means that you have to put a ca- camera on. And uh, I mean, that, I'm sorry, Jim. That's just the way I feel. But the, oh, yeah. that's the, fine. the uh, and, and I think any, every YouTuber is is full of ego, and you have to be in order to feel comfortable Fucking d- hell, mate. doing it. <laughs> no, but no, <laughs> you're you you're, you're, uh, you're, you're assuming that the e- ego a negative thing. My inner ego feels uncomfortable with that added element. Anything other than uh, uh, anything additional to who I am as a person. So if I'm being extrovertly or, or overly excited, it doesn't feel comfortable with me because it's just not who I am, I don't feel comfortable, I think that someone's going to think I'm a prick, and <laughs> that in itself is about ego. You don't want the other person down there thinking about, and I understand the yeah. the, the, the hypocrisy in that. What I tend to do on camera is, is, is go the other way and re- regress, and, and I've found a niche. Somehow for myself over the last three years of being the reluctant person in front of camera. Yeah, but I think a lot of people see through that bullshit, and it is bullshit. Yeah. A lot of it is how I feel, and but most of it is just for the fact that it's fun. It's yeah, fun yeah, to yeah, play yeah. off yeah. each other that way. That's true. And uh, you know, when I'm digging out people in the comments on the one for the weekend, I don't. I don't I'm not genuinely. Should I break the illusion? I'm not. Gen- <laughs> I'm not genuinely digging these people out, or or or, or have any ill will feeling to any 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 YouTube. In fact. My favourite comments are the ones that are the most negative on, on YouTube. It's a joke that's been in the office for
0: three years. It's a joke that people won't know. No. But Flav came, <laughs> Flav came to Ball Street just to make a website. So my, my,
1: my background... <laughs> Not to make thousands of videos we've made. Uh, well, my background is in journalism and editorial. got a degree in journalism. I worked in a magazine in, in publishing for... Twelve years before coming to Ball Street, uh, I, I, I was an online editor. I was a, a, a hard print editor. I'd published my own magazines. I was very much into journalism and storytelling, and um, and I, I still am. Uh, but I met uh, the reason why I got a job at Ball Street was because of the podcast. Because my podcast got awarded for the the best one of the best sports podcasts, football podcasts, in the UK at the yeah, the Football Bloggers Awards. Good night, um, was it? It was a great night. We didn't win. <laughs> Embarrassed ourselves by uh, storming out when we didn't win. But <laughs> we, we it was we felt like it was a, a kind of funny thing to do because mm. it's like what did, the football bloggers awards. What the fuck mm. does it matter? I mean, it's not. It was a piss up. It right. ain't like the Oscars. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, was yeah. it a piss up? Yeah. Like I've never been to so Mullard, and and um, we didn't win, so we stormed out. Anyway, we, I met Matt who, who runs Bull Street, who is a founder of Bull Street, and I was inebriated in various ways and uh, i met him and something for, for, for whatever reason resonated with matt and i think at that point when, when meeting me uh, he thought that i'd be good on camera
0: is that what you think, think he
1: thought he thought that he thought good on camera not just great for the business no i think he would be good on camera i right. think that also had some sort of ethical leanings about how branding yeah. is used in football and how certain brands are toxic and certain brands are, could resonate with fans i think maybe he saw something in that they'd mentioned before about being being a kind of social barometer for ball street which <laughs> Mad, you
0: know. No, I agree with that.
1: Yeah, on that night, uh, first, you know, I'll be kept in contact afterwards and uh, they interviewed me and I, I basically needed out of my previous job. I've been doing it for 12 years and it was very taxing on the, uh, you know, emotionally. I did a lot of work with um, uh, kids, young people in difficult situations, producing material that was really hard to process. and I'd Why did you do that job? Uh, well, when I was 15, I got involved in that organisation uh, to help me when I was a, when I was a kid. And... Um, they, I, I was working with them till from, from 15 until 21 when I got an actual job with them, for full-time job. And I went to university and carried on working with them in bits and pieces. And when I came back, there was an, a role that opened up there. Right. So I just naturally was drawn back to, 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 that, to that charity. It was called Exposure. And it was a charity that helped uh, help kids. Not all kids had difficulties, you know. But we worked with a lot of kids in gangs. We looked kids that have been abused. We got kids in care homes, and we worked with kids who just wanted to succeed in the media. And we trained them all. And uh, that's how I ended up there, and ended up spending twelve years. And after the eleven or twelve years, it's exhausting. And I just wanted I wanted to do something that wasn't that. I yeah. That was so hard.
0: I don't think I've worked a damn life.
1: I think that's and I think true. I've worked <laughs> very very hard. But it's
0: but it's but it's not work for me. I honestly don't. I, there's always an element of guilt that helps drive me along because I think I just think I'm so lucky to do to try and go. Oh, think of an idea and make it happen and make someone laugh or or make someone feel something. I think that's just such a wicked thing.
1: Yeah, but I think in, in but so. But it's good that you feel that way. Yeah, I guess so. I got to a point where I, I wasn't getting that good feeling inside. So one of the things I would do would be write help them to develop their English by talking about why they were with us. The, the final project that I worked on when I. I knew that I had to leave um, It was a project for Victim Support which is an amazing charity that it helps people that are a victim of crime and, and that might be someone getting mugged or something, your, your bike or your phone getting nicked or it might be something horrendous has happened to you and this, this, this organisation helps support you and i worked with seven young people that had, had accessed this service and I had to do it for two weeks interviewing these people and they explained to me what had happened to them and then I would write that up and uh, I was just like this is fucking horrible. I mean, I don't even want to repeat some of the stuff that I yeah. heard. So I was just, I'd had, had enough. Yeah, yeah. And I called Stu up and said, Look, I need to get out. And can is there any, we talked previously about work. So you met,
0: so right, there was that connection with Matt, but then there was. So
1: I'd had conversations with both of them about potentially working here and they liked what, what I was about and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I said, that oh, I've got to speed this up. And Stu, to his credit and Matt's credit, said, No, look we we've got faith in you and we want you to be a part of our team and they they did what they they said they were going to do which was bring me in and yeah they 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 wanted me to become a content producer i know there's been moments where we've had where
0: we're going fuck are we doing (laughs) like what the fuck are we talking about or who are we talking about why are we doing another video on yeah this or that and and that's just the truth of 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 that any any media person has to do i worked in i worked in entertainment before that and i would I would get up for a night shift, get in a car, and on the way I'd have to go through the Daily Mail gossip to find trash to create a a segment for them to be uh, talking about, and I hated it. Mm. And so there are always those elements. Football's a hell of a lot easier because you can always be, it's a sport that we
1: love, so you can always be interested in that. It's true, but also the way I'd always qualify that, because I understand what you're getting at, you look at some of these stories that we've talked about over the last three years and you think, this is fucking dribble. Being honest. Yeah, and I think there's there's been moments as well where we've gone... But it's not dribble to people that are absorbing yeah. it. For us to, to, to go through the process of producing that type of content, and it's not just Ball Street, I'm talking about every all football content.
0: Because mm. yeah. I think also for us, at Ball Street, we, we oh, have... Sorry, just um, it sorry, offers a
1: distraction. It offers a distraction and it gives people a distraction from what is otherwise can be a difficult life that people are living yeah if you're if, if people listen to one for the weekend podcast and we offer them an, an hour's respite that they wouldn't otherwise have oh it's amazing so That's what's an normal and trivial thing. to us could have an impact and we've had people message us to say that yeah totally
0: stuff. and it's incredible Look, m- m- what i meant more was a point where there's certainly been moments where we've gone we want to make heartfelt integrity filled yep. stuff and then there's moments where you look you've got to kind of keep the machine going and do stuff and talk about stuff that people are talking about and you look at these other channels that are just going straight clickbait that is the world that we live in now because it's not as simple as you pick up a newspaper and you go okay well i'm going to go to page two at some point so i'll find out what that headline is then and it can be an informative headline instead i need i'll scroll down and. That it's based on the headline that I'm going to click on, whatever it is, and so that clickbait element of it—that's something that we struggle with at times, definitely.
1: Yeah, I've gone through the process of not wanting to do anything that's clickbait, uh, to now going, this is just the, just the fatalist attitude. This yeah. is the system. Th- this is the only thing that works if you don't. Like you the last process you did. You know, was seen by three thousand people so far. It's Less. It's like it's like one thousand five hundred. Right. Like one thousand five hundred. Pro- but it's probably the most meaningful piece of work that you've done. Yeah. And that that that's what I struggle with because what is it? If you, you can be successful, you can you can be successful and not appeal uh, uh, an appeal to the masses, but you're producing just easily absorbed content or you can do something that's going to be less valuable in terms of monetary terms but you're actually hits a, a different chord. Or you can play the system long enough to actually produce the content that you you want to produce and and one of the things I I, I love about uh, true Geordie, he did what he needed to do in order to get to the position he's in now. And I'm not saying the content he used to produce is, is, is poor, but the value he's producing now is, is, is Massive, yeah. massively different and massively more important because mm. conversations with the people that he's had on his podcast actually impacts people. And and, and, and that's what's incredible about YouTube, really. There's a lot of naysayers, especially in the football community, about people that appear on YouTube and it's been an issue for mine, uh, how I'd be perceived by my own. But what people often don't see is the massively positive impact that these influencers have on the people that, that, that subscribe to their channels. Yeah, totally. What made you like writing? I was always good at it. I, was, I don't like writing. I fucking hate writing. It's the most torturous thing I, I've ever had Why? to do.
0: Why would you be good at it if you don't like it?
1: I just always was able, There's the only good thing I, I, I was, I, I, the only thing I did well at school. I got four GCSEs, that's all I got. I failed at school, I hated it. I went to a really aggressive really aggressive school. Um, I, uh, I, I was a, a late bloomer. I was, I was a feminine looking um, me too. teenage boy <laughs> with long blonde hair. Yeah. I went to a, a one of the hardest schools in, in North London, uh, Highbury Grove.
0: Why the long blonde hair? Like you, t- you told me that
1: a few times. Why the long blonde hair when you're in such an aggressive school? I was unaware. I didn't understand my surroundings. Uh, I was one of only two white kids in my class and I'm not saying it's rough because I was only white kids and there was uh, mostly black, black men in, or black boys in my, sc- in, in my class but when you're white but when you become a, an, an ethnic minority in your own classroom, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's eye open. I had a glimpse into what it might be like to be an actual ethnic minority growing up in London um, and, and, and why I have no time for racism and racism. There was fights going on every day, people bringing bats to school. Uh, you know, other schools coming down, fighting, kids not being very nice, taking your dinner money, all the, all the obvious things that you could expect. I had a knife put to my throat at, like, must have been 13. In school? In school, yeah. In, in school? In a stairwell, just, someone just came up, put a knife to, to my throat. It was, I remember it vividly because it had like a, it was like a, it went like that, and then bent around to a point, and then the, the curve was on my throat, and he's asking for my dinner money or whatever, and I remember not having any. And, uh, and then walked away unfazed. Looking back, it's like, yeah, yeah. how was yeah, you yeah. not pissing your pants? Yeah. How was you not like terrified or going home and telling your parents? But I never told anyone. That's, that's the first time, I've told my missus, but that's the first time I've ever told anybody, and now everyone else knows. <laughs> not that it matters, it don't matter, it's not a big thing. No. But the fact that it's not a big thing is alarming, and that's not what, uh, an environment that children should be growing up in. So why do you think you are happy with that, quite a life?
0: That's I what didn't think that's what I would. You know it a
1: I, bit, no. Yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely quite. Uh, I live, <laughs> I live on, I will, like right now. I live on a, a farm in 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 a place, a small, tiny hamlet called Marston. I met my missus on holiday, uh, at a, at a festival, and I didn't realise uh, at the time how important that was for me, and, and how important it was for me to change my life. Um, because when I met her and I went to visit her, at her house for the first time after coming back from a festival and whatnot. As soon as I got there, I was like, "This is, I feel at home and I don't even know this girl. Uh, I barely knew her. Do you know what I mean? I met her on a holiday. And yeah, you yeah. Know, you know what happens on holiday. And then you come back to reality and nothing happens. And I went to this house and I was like, this is what I want. I knew from the minute, this is what I want. And it's every, funny every step that, that I've made has headed back there. Yeah, it's a funny feeling, that, that
0: moment when you kind of go. It, it's not a it's not a, like, slap around the face and then I was in love. It's just like a... It's just a really strong, like, glow of mm. like, yeah. There's no doubt. Are you talking like, about her or the, like or the house? Being in love. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Being I mean, in love
0: with so- and and being in love with someone, and then in time, because I think you've been together. You've been together a little while when we met. Uh, I've been about a year. About a year, and I think we. You were kind of. I was obviously a lot further down the road. You, as a bloke, I think there's, where, especially when you're, you know. You're a, a fun-loving bloke. Flav is the life and soul of this office, and so you. No, but you're. No, g- so, but you, you enjoy your night out because you like to talk to people. Yeah, yeah. And as, as I, I felt the same, and I so was, there is. You've so got to you leave that behind.
1: Me, what the shagging around bit? Is that what you're? No, getting?
0: no, no. I'm not getting that, I don't want to get. I don't need to go down the road. All I'm saying oh, is I'm that, with that there is a moment in. A, in I think because a lot of people that watch my channel are, are blokes, so I think there is. There is a moment when you're with someone for a while that you then go, okay, okay, is this. Is this it? Um, and I, I think, yeah. I, I, re- I remember that period with you and it was, it took probably two months but then you were there and that was it.
1: I, I, think, I think it um, took me longer. Yeah, I, I, I think um, I had a 14 year relationship from 18 to 32. I, I had to go through a process after that relationship in order to understand what I want. And that involved a loss of nefarious activity. And um, which I wouldn't change, but I didn't enjoy. Yeah, and, and very much. And I met Ollie and I was so far from getting a relationship with her at, at the beginning because I was taking loads of drugs and I was shagging women. And I just met this girl on holiday, and the more time I spent with her, and the more I would talk, it it, it just that was clear. Yeah, yeah. And it became clear, even if I didn't know it myself. But what I would say is, the moment I caught her eye, or she caught mine, depends on who, who you're talking to. Uh, it, it, I've never forgotten that moment, and that that moment with her is is, is, is kind of right there. That's Even great. now, I think back of the, I can see it, I can picture it right now. We're in a dance tent, I'm peeled off my nut, I'm looking at her. Still and remembers she, it, and she's, <laughs> she, and and I just catch her eye, and do you know what the embarrassing thing is? I was talking to her mate. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to her mate, and I was like, I was cracking on, and I was like, and I looked across, and sh- she was there, and I was like who is that and uh, I still remember that and I still hold that and that's know, amazing, we're engaged man. now and we're um, you know got a dog and a fridge and, a, fr- and a, 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 fridge, a, yeah. a fridge let's talk about a different kind of love
0: yeah okay five brothers male camaraderie is a big thing in your life yeah this is what I'm getting onto okay perfect and so you've got five you know you have five brothers mm-hmm. um, and I think it's something I think it's something that I've really enjoyed in our friendship as well is that I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't even know how to describe it, but it's that same kind of thing. Yeah. And with the fighting cock and the podcast, and I think even like the lads in the office, you've you've got a good way with blokes. <laughs> not, if that makes any sense? No, no, it does. It does. And and the fighting cock, it, its essence is a, a bloke, uh, yeah, a group of lads in a in a in a safe space, mm-hmm. being able to have a chat. Yep. Do you think? your ability in that situation is down to the five brothers yeah yeah un-
1: undoubtedly uh, i think it's a strange one with my brothers because we're not all four brothers there's six uh no six marriages between my mum and their respective partners is that right yeah three. six out of five three let's so there's your dad is an absolute no, no. i mean you should see his, I mean, his, his penis is like a slug as well <laughs> right so i don't know how he's done it what well, flat it's just like, it's like a, it's like a button mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> funny, cause we stadium. talked about this on the pod <laughs> and we do live shows and he's like, Dad, the slug. And he's like, nah, 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 But it is, 100 it It's weird that my brothers and I have a name for his penis, but it's true. Um, uh, yeah, look, uh, we, we come from quite a dysfunctional uh, set of relationships on our parents' behalf. But all of us, uh, we all kind of, the, the difficulties that our parents faced we used that unconsciously i think to 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 be drawn to each other and make sure that we're, we're so tight and that bo- male on male bond is so uh, f- i feel so comfortable with it uh, that that um that it comes natural to a relationships i develop with you guys and the others uh, you know, you especially but the others in the in, in the room upstairs i guess i, I don't know why do you
0: uh, why do you think we get on so that's the other thing
1: I was thinking last night. We, we are, uh, I think w- we, we come from different backgrounds, don't we? And yeah. And because um, deep down, Jim, you're a lovely human being and you're kind awesome. and uh, you're. F- As are you. And you're so funny. And uh, I just, I don't know. I think we, we, we started the journey together at Ball Street. Uh, I think that helped. Yeah. But I just felt, I don't know, I just, I just always thought I'd, I'd love that guy.
0: But I I think it's interesting because I don't like people who are similar to me, but at mm. the same time there has to be a kind of like baseline that's that's similar, because I don't think I what I find weird about our relationship is that you know you know how I'm feeling. Mm. I can see I can see that you can see how I'm feeling, and I think over three years I I can tell when you're you're. Fed up or mm. or whatever as well, um, and I think that's uh, that's interesting.
1: My my uh, if I w- if I can blow my own trumpet for a second, my um, the the most useful thing I've had in, throughout my life has been able to read other people, mm. and I think that goes back to my school days where I have to read every situation in order to to stay out of a horrible situation. Right, I'm confused by why how, why people c- don't have that. Um, some, some people, it's, it's difficult, it's a different attribute. Some people are um, gifted with sex appeal and charm. Other people are gifted with, I mean, we've got both of Yeah, I mean, we We've got that and the region to people. To give an
0: example that we don't have. Yeah. Um, some,
1: people, like, are unintelligent. Some, some people are like, unintelligent. Some people are able to... Um, are, 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 have to be sing- so single-minded that they, that they, they achieve success where yeah, others yeah. are. Those kind of
0: values and like... what's uh, the word. Attributes that you get from having five brothers or from being in that kind of manly state a lot of the time. Mm. Do you think what aspects of that do you think you've transferred into the
1: fighting cock? It's just being, it's it's been understanding, it's about being likable, I guess. Uh, How do you know what likable is? I don't, I just know that I've got uh, people around me on the podcast that are my my closest friends outside of my, my family. Um, and if they think what we're doing is good and they feel comfortable in that in- environment and they're enjoying this conversation, that there will be people out there that also do it. And, and the, the crux of the fighting cock is about taking the conversations that you have in the pub at football and putting a, a, micro- a microphone. The only difference is the fact that we're not actually at the football. Other yeah. than that, it's um, it's a conversation between men who feel the same way as I do. The vast majority is about Tottenham is about football, but then the rest of it's a window to ourselves. And again, this isn't this kind of philosophical approach to podcasting and the stuff we produce. Is There's only so much talking about Spurs we can do. We love our club. We hope they do great. But fuck it, it's a tiny part of our lives. It has to be. This is such a broad question. I'm intrigued to know what your answer is. Why do you love Spurs so much? I love Spurs so much, genuinely, because of my brothers and my dad. It wouldn't mean... I, lo- I love Tottenham. I really do... I think about the the best moments of my life have been at Spurs, I've been at White Hart Lane, away from home as well. You can't describe to people who who don't get football what the feelings conjured within you when you watch your team score that important goal, when Mm -hmm. you see us do Arsenal for the first time in 10 years. I've taken all kinds of drugs in my life. Nothing has made me feel like Tottenham have. When Harry Kane scored that goal against Arsenal, you know, the curling shot off the post, the euphoria was so intense it was just everything. But it was not just because of that goal and against them lot, but it was also because I looked around and I saw my brothers feeling the exact same way. And more importantly, my dad, who's got needs a fucking hippie operation, he's been going, his first game was in 1961 where we won the double. And to this day, they still make him feel that way. Yeah, And that's the same for any football club. So the combination of my family and the combla- com- uh, combination w- with Tottenham is why, why I love them so much and no matter how bad we get, I'll always have that connection with them. Um, and, uh, and and no matter how good Arsenal get, I'll always hate them and think they're inferior to us.
0: Well, that's a, that was another thing I wanted to talk about with it. Is initially, and I'm pleased that the, the, the deepest root is your family and is sharing That moment when the ball crosses the line and you're allowed to to shake people and go crazy for absolutely no reason. In no other element of society you're allowed to behave that way and long may that continue and that doesn't get old. But you are also a person who, as much love as you've got for so many people, so much patience you've got for people. I don't know a football fan who hates
1: another club as much as you (laughs) hate Arsenal. (laughs) I I hate Arsenal as much as I love Tottenham. Is that a shame? Or is it an excellent part of my life to funnel all my hatred into? Like, just reserve it for them. Yeah. So no one else who actually I I choose to spend time with will get any of that hatred and funnel it all into that club. What percentage of your hatred for Arsenal is uh, brainwashing?
0: What element of it is reasoned and what element of it is experiences?
1: I grew up in a house where Tottenham was a good word and Arsenal was a bad word. Um, we grew up in in Holloway, which is bandit country. This is, it was, it, it, Arsenal play in Highbury beforehand, but moved to Ashburton Grove, which is literally uh, from 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 my bedroom window as a kid, I can see their stadium. So bar- bar- brainwashing was a massive part of it. You know, my dad my dad loathes them. Like he, he, he is that he a water torture in itself? Looking out your window and just seeing it. When it's already been planted in your mind, that yeah, because that's bad. No, it was, it was, it was for a long time. But I kind of compartmentalized Arsenal Football Club now, uh, so that nothing they can do can hurt me anymore. I've went through a lot. Like I went through a lot of dealing with Arsenal's s- sort of successes, and and then kind of now that I just see them as a fucking weird thing that's a part, of, a part of my relationship with Tottenham mm. and I love it when they lose that kind of thing but it isn't what it used to be to be fair but I do, I do still hate them but yeah there was a brainwashing element to it um, what was the yeah, experiences yeah like the the, the the late 90s 2000s they were incredible you know they, they had the invincible season they had an incredible so you know we had Gary Dockery up front and they had Thierry Henry the
0: that mix was, of that as well like the Man United Liverpool Liverpool was still you know they'd finished third they'd finished fourth you were 10th Really? No, for, uh, it was so mediocre for so long.
1: But before Levy took over in, in 2001, um, we were 14th, 10th, 14th, 12th, 12th, I think. Which is ridiculous for a club of Spurs' size, yeah. really. Yeah. Can you think but we about it now? That, I mean, yeah, but all clubs were much smaller than It wasn't like football is now. Yeah. You know? And just generally, they're an odious football club. And, and, and Is that the reason bit? How much of what percentage of reason then?
0: Is there a lot of it reasoned, or do you know what you're doing? Do you know your... Do you know you're turning it that way instead of spinning it that way? What do you mean? Sp- turning it that way and spinning it that way? Spinning it to a negative because of the brainwashing and the experiences, the negative experiences of losing to them at different times in that period that you had to go to. Yeah, that, 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 the reasoned that, that element, you're going, uh, uh, well, I want to
1: reason it that way. Yeah, for sure. There's <laughs> a, there's a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be impacted by the damage that they've done to me. You know, I, uh, I managed to make Ian Wright apologise to me. Because he made me cry when I was eight, and he scored a last-minute goal against Spurs. To his credit, he said, "Look, it was just a job. I didn't want to make you feel that way." (laughs) That's true. This is on record. It's on the podcast.
0: You're not going to the football to watch uh, a matinee. Are you part of this game or not? If you're part of this game, then you've got a side. If you've got a side, then you want that team to win. And if you want that team to win, then you want the other team to
1: fuck off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and, and the difference between and and I would say that my, uh, my. when, when Arsenal, and, and this is my problem with Arsenal, if you want to get into this, my problem with Arsenal growing up, the biggest insult I ever received from an Arsenal fan was when they started caring about Chelsea more. Uh, when you know they had that competitive element where they were on an equal footing with Chelsea and were going mm. to the leagues and whatnot, and you know, Chelsea always seemed to pip them to it. But I was like, you what? what it's just because there's suddenly a, a, a bully's come along that you're not interested in what we're doing anymore? Is that... Do you actually fucking understand the, the history thing. between our two clubs? There's a large element of that, It's you always hate the guy just in front of you. Yeah, but you can't replace a genuine hatred with another one. You either hate something and think, oh, I don't feel that way about it anymore. And I always thought to myself, would that be the same if Tottenham became, ever became better than Arsenal? And I've said things in the past which would just try and dismiss Arsenal because I'd, I'd make them feel the way I felt. When they dismiss Tottenham, and there's nothing, there's nothing in this world. Arsenal could be in League Two, and they come to Tottenham, and I would want to fucking destroy them so that their their their, their players would have to have their contracts ripped up. Ripped up. <laughs> it's, it's 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 a strange thing. Maybe it's yeah, because yeah. I've gone through so much abuse I, I, in, in I, a footballing I, sense. I get I get it. I, I
0: just I but find it interesting that it's like, something.
1: I, I want that from an Arsenal supporter as well. I want them to say I feel the exact same way about you. And the, and the Arsenal fans I've connected with the most are the ones that hate Tottenham.
0: Eight months after um, meeting Flav, I've got friends that I love so dearly. They are like family to me, but he jumped the queue. That's how much I love this guy. I,
1: I see. I always felt uncomfortable about that.
0: For me, when I was making that decision, it was like, who do I need there if I have a little panic? And you were, and because of what we'd gone through with Ball Street, it was me and you that like, off you go, mm. stepping into this whole YouTube thing, and we'd had that connection that I was just like, I was just like, I definitely need Flab there. I definitely would need Flab there. So, although we've been talking about football, we are talking about everything, I, I just wanted to answer this question because I think this is, could really help some people. Mm. Because the point of the process is that uh, everyone has a story. Everyone has their own opinion on things. Everyone has their own way of navigating through life. And I, when I think of you, I think of someone so well put together, which I know you might, yeah, I knew you going to shake your head at that. But well, the question I wanted to ask is, can you describe yourself? It doesn't have to be for too long, but de- describe yourself in your teens and then I want then your twenties what you went through and then what you went f- where you are as a person in your 30s. describe myself because I think from the conversations that we've had you've been on a, you've been on a journey I oh, know it's a wanky thing to say, but yeah. you've been on a journey in like it's like all blokes are or all women are whatever I remember having a chat and we were talking about how other people, what other people think of you. And you kind of gave me a bit of advice on something I'm like, look, if they let you down, then you put up the wall and you go, that's oh, yeah, it. You've yeah. had your chance, yeah. sorry, yeah. that's it. And I'd never thought about it like that. And I do, like, I take those things on board and I, I think about those things. Because I know that's another thing that we connect on. I think. We do think about who we are and how we act. And so that's why I want to ask you, as someone who, I think most people, you might not think this, but people who watch it or listen to The Fighting Cock, they'll go, this guy knows who he is. Do you think you know who you are? Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. So, yeah, yeah. So, in but your teens, did you? What What words come to mind when you think of what you went through in your teens?
1: It doesn't uh, have to be long. Uh, no, th- what words? I mean, I I feel uh, words, thought insecure, um, uh, unable, um, weak, uh, unconfident and but but willing that's good that's Will, w- willing 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 to give it a go uh and do you know what it, the biggest thing was was women uh, at that age it was really hard because first i wasn't uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was really hard all the time it was uh, it was tough because i didn't like wanted women I wanted all the, like the girls that I met and I like, wanted them to just wanted to lose my virginity to be honest <laughs> <laughs> and then um it it it, it didn't happen and then until I got to about eighteen but but all of that is is coming of age that, that's, that's yeah what, absolutely what most, most kids go that's for. what kind of what I'm getting at yeah so then but in my 20s it's a different, a different thing is a different thing and and, and a, I think I believe in this kind of there's like a series of sevens in in people's lives so seven to, one to seven to formative years seven to 14, a, a 14 you ch- you change immeasurably in that time physically and then from from 14 to 21 you start to come through a mental development. But from 21 to 27 was the most difficult period in my life because um, I was in a uh, challenging relationship but not challenging because the other person was bad or tried me. It's just shit happened in, in our relationship that, that meant that it was, it was tough. In my early 20s, went through a lot of bad stuff uh, with uh, m- mental health issues basically. That, that a lot of people go through, and you, people should be talking. And even th- though I know everyone should be open and talking about these things, it's still difficult for me to talk about because it's, it's. Um, I kind of want to forget it and let it go. But yeah, I had, I had, uh, I, I had a massive kind of mental struggle and a realization about uh, my own mortality. Do you know what? I don't want to talk about it in detail because I don't want to plant the thoughts in other people's heads because well, that's what's happened to me. Right. But I went through some s- stuff that. that, that um, that made me very anxious, mm. and I went for a long process and of of, uh, of of trying to be okay. Yeah, and I think in the twenties, is, is a lot of, that process happens for a lot of people. Um, I agree. I think there's so much um, so much doubt in your twenties.
0: Is it going to be all right? That's the kind of thing, that's definitely the like, that was the problems that I would constantly have. And I still have those worries, but just not to the same extent now, because cause it has worked out a lot, mm-hmm. of, a lot of, you know, on a personal level, it's worked
1: out in a huge way. Like, I don't have many tattoos, I've got an arm full here, but that all of this, all of these tattoos are uh, as a direct response to the feelings I felt when I was in my at 20s. time, yeah. Um, and they help me cope. And every time I have lingers of it, and at 37, I have, glit- I still have pangs of anxiety. I still have anxiety issues. I still have, I wouldn't say panic attacks, but I have no flushes of anxiety for no real reason. Um, and I kind of look at my arm and it helps me process what's going, for, what's going on in I my I didn't head. know that. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, but I don't, like I said, I don't want to, I know people gonna think, well, oh, what is it? Like, if they're watching still, they're oh, watching. It's none not their business. It's not watching. that, it's not none of their business. If I thought it could help someone, then yeah. I would, but I, d- I know that this sort of stuff is triggering. And I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to plant it in someone else's. Yeah.
0: Head. And then what about? And then 30s. 30s are great,
1: man. The 30s are. I've
0: never spoken to someone in their 30s who's gone. It's not great.
1: No, it's it's great. Because you
0: think it, you go when you turn 30, you go, oh no, no, nah, yeah.
1: Like, that's it, isn't it? Like my youth's over. Yeah, no, it's not. It's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. It, the 30. I've never the 30. The, the, this decade has been so good, so good to me. And I think it's because you finally get over that feeling about who who the fuck you are. You think you have identity issues when you're in your teens. Twenties can be as big of a struggle. But In the thirties, I was like, I know what I am. I know what I want. I know I don't give a fuck if someone else has an issue. I don't have to be as, as good as someone else wants me to be. It doesn't matter anymore. I'm making money. I can pay my own rent. I don't have to rely on anybody. I can go out and talk to birds. And it's, I don't give a shit if they reject me in that instance. (laughs) And the fact is, is if you develop that mentality, the vast majority of them won't, well, not the vast majority, but the majority of the people, you the women you talk to, if that's what your goal is, if you stop giving a fuck whether you're going to be rejected, that's much more appealing to them. And that mindset is something that you appeal in generally. I don't, I don't, I don't, you don't, you care less, you care less. And that's such a, such a, a freeing thought. If you s- stop caring what other people think and only care about what people closest to you think of you, that's, that, that, that's, 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 and, and I didn't choose to feel that way. I just suddenly became that.
0: Often people talk about, oh, seek discomfort, just go for it, just back yourself. That is dangerous talk sometimes because <laughs> like, there's a lot of X Factor contestants who've, who've gone for that and it just, they've looked really, really stupid. And so you've got to kind of have an awareness to understand that, like, yeah, I can do this. But also, there's moments where you've got to kind of be brave and take a little jump, and I think that's what you're doing here. But I also, when you've, when you've explained the stuff like the live shows that are going to be happening, like I've been to a live show at the uh, for the fighting cock, and it's fucking ace, man. It's so <laughs> it's good. A lot of fun. It's so good. And like, and you can dedicate more time to the the podcast. I think there's talk about new podcasts as well, right? Yep. Um, is it? Can we talk about the thirty percent? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, thirty percent is like the the guys who sort of. Who listened to the last thirty percent of the podcast? Yeah, right? yeah. so
1: the, we, the fighting cock, as we explained earlier on in the video, is that the a lot most of it's about Spurs, and if you if that's what you want, you can listen to it. Um, but the last the last ten, five ten minutes are about anything. There's no holds bars really, and what we looked at once we were able to see the analytics of the pod um, that the, there's about thirty percent of people that listen to it all the way through every week and uh that was so revealing to me because i wasn't bothered that 70 percent was dropping off i was like fucking hell who are these guys yeah yeah like who, like it, it's a good like, way of looking at it yeah yeah because, because they're like oh they're, they're the people that are interested in what we what we really want to talk about outside of spurs yeah so if i can do that and i said let's let's make a podcast just for the 30 percent and then because it's not about Spurs, it's less restrictive. Yeah. So maybe that thirty percent will tell their mates, and they might get something from it. Don't get me wrong; there's not a massive, huge audience for the thirty percent podcast yet. Because yeah, but, but but also because how much can you talk about masturbation, porn, um, <laughs> you know, previous experiences of shaking women, getting caught wanking, that kind of thing, without it being a little bit? And it isn't all that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about other things that are going on in the world as well to make it a little bit more palatable. But you know, it's it's. Um, yeah, we, f- we just figured out that there are people out there f- that want to listen to that stuff and that's really given me a, an extra um, enthusiasm because uh, talking about Spurs for seven and a half years, it's, uh, I'm still enthusiastic, I still love it, but it, it, sometimes you need to refresh and, and I think this podcast is going to help me do that can, right. and the other people involved. Well, yeah, I, uh, I'm
0: looking forward to, to listening to that and supporting everything that you're doing, mate. I, uh, we are, we're mates of life. And oh yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, no, I know, I know now. I'm just yeah. letting them right. know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, start, so back off, <laughs> alright, he's mine. <laughs> no, but I just, mate, that's, that Flav has said like three or four times, it's like, are you sure you want to do it? Are you sure you want to sit down? Mate, yeah. I fucking love you to bits, mate. I love you too. You're a smart, smart man, and you are gonna go out there with a lack of confidence because you're that nice a bloke. No. And with that lack of concept, confidence, you're going to work so fucking hard and you're going to smash it. And people that's
1: another reason why people love you. I, I, that, that's really lovely for you to say. Uh, th- please don't say it again. The, uh, the, um, uh, the, the only thing I'm confident about is the fine cock. And if I can't make that work, it will never work. Uh, so I've got to find that out. This, the good news for everyone who's a One for the Weekend fan or a
0: Ball Street fan is that Flavola... Always be a part of the bullshit family. Will Always be on videos. One for the Weekend
1: is still with us. One for the Weekend is, is the best podcast, the best thing I've done.
0: Mate, I fucking love that podcast, mate. It is great. It it's is so great.
1: good. But if any, about, uh, any of you lot out there that are not listening to the One for the Weekend podcast or watching it on YouTube, then you should be because it's going to make your life better. And that's not because me and Nim are good at what we do or we are fucking good at what we do. Uh, it's because of the massive community that's been created. Yeah. I love it. It's my favourite thing to do each week. It's it's so funny. Cheers, mate. Cheers. I love you. I love you.
0: Um, that was Flav. The process. What a great guy. Maybe you should go and support him. I'm sure there's something. I mean, he hasn't figured out the details yet. I'm still well, gonna put it. I know you Would well, you know the details of what? Is it Patreon? Are we doing that? Yeah. Well, I want to do it. Okay. So Flav, I'd imagine, needs money. <laughs> so, there's probably this oh, a yeah. Patreon thing, which will be a link, it will be the first comment. Go and click on that, go and support Flav. I mean, Flav. you can. Shut up, go and do it. This guy is a great guy, a trust problem. me. Shh. less. I hope you've enjoyed it. Let me know in the comments below who I should interview next on the James Lawrence Alcott channel. If you've enjoyed this, then check out the other episodes of The Process. We've got Chris Pagek, we've got Paul McGregor and Smith. And, uh, and hit subscribe as well if you feel like I deserve it. Um, I'll see you soon.